Recorded live. You're now tuned into the VMware Community Podcast, your number one source on VMware news and updates. Interviews with V experts, product updates, new launchings, VMware events, and much more. Join the conversation and welcome to VMware Community Podcast, now live with Eric Nielsen. Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be across the nation or around the world. Once again, you are listening to the VMware Community's Roundtable Podcast. This is podcast number 545. My name is Eric Nilsson, and with me today, I have my special co-host, Corey Romero. Today is Wednesday, March 3rd, 2021. Uh, Corey Romero, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Eric. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. Excited. Uh, but weather is beautiful. I know that we got the color of the bay. It's uh, it's beautiful. 70 degree weather in California. It feels like winter is over. We're entering into the dry season. And uh, and that was the end of that. So it's nice to have good weather. How's it out there in Utah? Fantastic. Uh, cold. Uh, we had a snowstorm, another snowstorm roll in. Um, but we're starting to see spring around the corner. We're starting to see these cold days and then we see warm days. And so we're starting to see a good mix which is usually a pretty good hint for Utah that uh, spring is just right around the corner for us. That's good. That's good. It's nice to be through the bulk of winter, at least some of it. So blossoms are out here in the cherry trees and on the uh, citrus trees. So excited about the good weather that's here. On this show today, we're going to be uh, talking to Valdemir Velkov. I, and uh, we're going to be covering uh, some of the new things in vSphere 7 with regard to the uh, plugin architecture that's there. So uh, the new vSphere UI and plugins in 7.0 update 1. So Valdemir's uh, here. He actually is, uh, I can let Valdemir tell, tell us who he is. Valdemir, why don't you tell us who are you and what do you do at VMware and how long have you been here and what has your career arc been before we get into the topic? Yeah, thanks a lot, Eric. Uh, my name is Vladi Velikov and I'm senior engineer in the vSphere UI team. Um, so responsible for plugins, uh, UI extensibility, API design, I'm also working with partners a lot to integrate on UI level. And I'm, I've been part of certain initiatives like cross vCenter vMotion, um, also VMware Event Broker Appliance and like latest initiative in the community is uh, more UI engineers joining the V community in the form of vSphere UI community team, which we announced last month very nice very nice um and how many years have vmware did i miss that uh it's five five years five before years. that i was doing embedded development for gps systems in cars and uh you got a nice uh background there i, I even might even see a vmware code logo up on the whiteboard there I think uh, so. it says vmware code rules but you probably can't read that because it's too bright here <laughs> Very nice, very nice. Yeah, you got a nice, you got at least a whiteboard. So maybe you're somewhere in an office, right? Like versus your home. First time in the office uh, since this time last year. Wow. Wow, there you go. So was it weird to commute? Did you did you struggle with the idea of having to drive to the office? How did that feel? Uh, actually, I really enjoyed that. It's, it's like no one in the office, but uh, yeah, you have time to think. Yeah, that is true. That is true. I tried to drive to the office maybe a month ago, and it, it I was like, stoplights were frustrating because I'm not used to having to wait to get to my office anymore. And it was like, I had to wait through like seven stoplights. And I was like, this is frustrating. This took me like 20 minutes of wait time. I'm just not used to having to do that anymore. So, uh, yeah, but at least no, in, it is, yeah. In my case, it's uh, uh, kids not screaming. So this is good. <laughs> Nice, nice. All right, so uh, so there's been some things going on. You've moved into the UI space. Um, why don't you give us a little update of kind of like where you guys are when it comes to vSphere UI? I know we, we transitioned from obviously the Flash stuff to HTML to now. Now we're here in HTML5 land. It seems like everybody's per pretty pretty good with that. Then they have the, the UI interfaces that you've been, that, that have that've been out there. We open source that. Uh, why don't you explain that journey to us and then we'll get into what's what's new with seven and the plugin architecture and go from there. Yeah, so when I, when I joined VMware, we were just 
in the middle of trans transitioning to the Flash client, <laughs> uh, which turned out to be probably not uh, the best of things. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, obviously customers didn't like too much the Flash, especially with its uh, issues with performance and it's actually the performance issues were partly because of the Flash, partly because of uh, all the, the migration that uh, had to be done with regards to uh, using the right APIs and so on. It was also a migration from a desktop client to a web-based client and all the, the issues involved with, uh, with browsers. Right. Um, the number yeah. one thread on VMTN, by the way, uh, like more uh, posts on that thread than any other thread we've ever had, with maybe the exception of the 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 CPU tax when we decided to license per CPU, and uh, that one also was a hot topic. But uh, yeah, the the UI topic on VMTN was a very popular topic for many years, but it has calmed down now, right? Like so, the the world has kind of gotten in, in much better shape. Yeah, and. Part of it is also because there were there was a significant effort to um, improve the Flash client and make it perform well. So there were different uh, efforts like uh, different data channels for the core UI and for the integrated plugins so that you can see the UI. And then if a plugin is slow, it can be just loading in the background. Right. Yeah, and obviously the next step was the uh, HTML client, and I think the the approach there was great to use the the flings, which I think yesterday turned ten years of age, which wow. is a really great program. Right. Um, so we were able to ship features there, get feedback, allow people to complain, <laughs> and. Uh, subsequently uh, improving performance, but also this was a smart port. It was not like uh, we just take whatever was in the flash and uh, move it over to the HTML. Right, and at some point, I think in vSphere 7, we actually got most of all the features done, right? Like, I mean, there was a, a time when there was like, 70% of the features were in the web client, then 80% were in the web client. And now we're actually, I think we're at the point where almost all the major features that anybody ever wanted is now in the web client. And most people are over in the web client being happy, right? Yeah, it's uh, feature parity was announced in 6.7 U1. So since then, it's uh, there's parity. Uh, obviously, not all features would be at the same places because as I said, it was it's a smart port, so right. new UX concepts and so on. Yeah, nice, nice. Okay, that brings us up to pretty kind of current where also there is this whole idea that we've been acquiring con uh, companies over time and we've had to expand the, the concept of the of, uh, vCenter and like all the components that are in there. Um, how are we doing with regards to a single pane of glass and being able to bring additional features into into vCenter and the, and the UI? Yeah, this is where plugins really come into play because with each acquisition, uh, there is a new product or we come up with a new product. And this product normally needs to have some kind of monitoring and management. So the first step obviously is to create some kind of UI, which is uh, sometimes standalone. Uh, the same goes for uh, third parties. Uh, they create their backup solution, for example, and they create a UI uh, on top of that. But uh, for the user, for the VI admin, this means that they have to open a number of browser tabs there right. <laughs> and switch between them losing context. So uh, yeah, in the vSphere client, I have this VM. Now let's find it in the other UI. So um, we have been working with all the teams internally and with the external teams to uh, do UI integration of these solutions uh, as UI plugins. So we've provided a number of uh, extension points in the vSphere UI, which are coarse-grained, which means that uh, you don't have a vSphere UI with plugins scattered uh, around the, the different screens. You have specific points uh, where they plug into. And uh, so 
and they are very few. So like uh, at the global level and for each of uh, the, the vSphere managed objects, it's like uh, summary monitor and configure. And they own their content there uh, in, in an iframe. When this gets uh, delivered, so how many? I guess it's like how many have we had? When did the, the this become real? Was it in seven or was it in six dot that the plugin architecture started? We started populating plugins. We've been having plugins since the desktop client. Then in the Flash client, uh, we we also had uh, a lot of integrations, um, and we really polished it uh, with the HTML client. Right. Now we support two architectures, so uh, the local plugin architecture and the remote plugin architecture. Basically, the difference is that with local plugins, which is like the old uh, architecture, uh, you have the plugin uh, code running inside the vCenter. And uh, its middle tier uh, is uh, serves as a, as a way to uh, uh, send requests from their UI to, to their backend. Uh, but that can be a problem, especially in VMware Cloud on AWS, where uh, you can't afford to have third-party code running uh, inside the vCenter. It's very difficult to control stability. And from uh, a different point of view, you can't frequently upgrade vCenter, uh, which you really need in the public cloud because some um, solutions require to be upgraded before upgrading vCenters, other uh, vCenter others require to be upgraded afterwards. Uh, some of them are not compatible with the new version and so on. Right. So this is how we uh, ended up with uh, remote plugin architecture, which essentially uh, at its core uh, allows the UI to the UI pieces of uh, the plugin to call directly their backend server through the reverse proxy of the vCenter. And this way, there is no plugin code running in, in uh, the vCenter. It's running only in the browser and the rest, uh, mainly the backend uh, logic, the business logic is in uh, the plugin server. Right, that makes sense. So yeah, you're just you're just doing the connection. Your browser then runs the runs the plugin and then connects to vCenter that in in enables the function function in the GUI. But it's really just a, a browser plugin or a, a browser compiled thing that runs in the browser, and then you're just delivering it from a remote server. Yeah, yeah correct. So in the vSphere UI uh, platform enables this communication. Right. Now, you know, just forgive me for being basic here, but uh, how many are out there today? Like, I know we've, we've introduced this. Uh, are, are customers getting involved in this, or is this kind of a, a vendor kind of build the plugin and then deliver it as, do we have a delivery mechanism for these things? Yeah, so we've, we've had in the past, like in, in the Flash client, like uh, 50 plugins, uh, Right, which were now all these have migrated to uh, and maybe to a hundred. Uh, all these have migrated to the HTML client uh, uh, to SHTML plugins, uh, and now many of them are uh, migrating to a remote to the remote architecture, which allows them to uh, have multi-version support to eventually be uh, listed in VMware Cloud. Um, yeah but we are seeing more and more adoption uh, especially now uh, last september i believe uh, vmware announced the the vsan uh, the vsan uh, data persistence platform uh, which essentially allows uh, vi admins to deploy uh, ready pre-cooked kubernetes services on top of uh, project pacific supervisor clusters and these services, uh, by design, uh, use a, define a UI plugin, which is a remote plugin following the, the new architecture. And uh, with the adoption of, of these, I believe the number of, uh, of plugins will grow even more. And also, it's completely in line with the modern apps uh, direction of VMware.
So this is also uh, one of the reasons we are we announced that we are going to deprecate local plugin architecture and focus only on remote plugins as a great way forward. Yeah, and when did we make that announcement? Is that part of the seven update one announcement or how long have we announced no. that? Uh, we announced to partners that we are going to deprecate local plugins in in the next major release. Okay. So whatever the number would be, this is where we will announce uh, deprecation. We will still support it for one more major release. And in the follow-up major release, we can delete it, basically. Okay, so that kind of brings us up to where we are today, right? Like in, in a sense, and then uh, we do have the update, uh, update one. So uh, maybe we should uh, chat about like, so what's new? Uh, what are, what are, what are we seeing? I know we're doing we're doing real time development these days, where the updates now tend to have more features. Uh, what what yeah. are the things that you're now introducing? Yeah, so in seven uh, OGA we introduced uh, the plugin auto discovery. Uh, which is which uh, produces a, a better uh, experience for the administrator. So, uh, in the past, the the vSphere UI would detect plugins only uh, at first login, and if they are removed, uh, you basically needed to restart the vSphere UI service from the vCenter, which is, um, yeah. Mm, a bit tedious and uh, right. there were a lot of questions from folks like yeah i just tried this plugin and, it didn't and work. i i didn't like it i i registered it and it's still there <laughs> you know right so we we made this really uh, live so whenever a new plugin is registered we uh, show a notification you have a new plugin just refresh the browser to load the the ui you remove uh, the plugin registration, uh, it disappears on the next refresh of the browser. Nice. Um, so dy dynamic load and unload of plugins in, yeah. in real time. Nice. Yeah, this is really what what the the modern user would expect from vSphere. <laughs> right. It's it's easy to say that, but it's another thing to implement it, right? Oh, and and yeah. get it right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Property collectors and so on. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, exactly. Um, and so that that that's nice. And with a hundred out there, uh, our customers. When we talk about flings, and I'm just bouncing all over the place here, but we talk about flings and being able to add plugins, right? Like, uh, and then host them and enable them. Uh, how is that working, right? And are our customers starting to build their own kind of customized uh, plugins for various features? Well, I wouldn't. So there are customers who would do that, uh, like they would build a simple custom UI for their own purposes, but mostly it's partners building uh, solutions right. on top of that. We also heard that there are some service providers uh, who who are doing that as well. So they are building a plugin and uh, using that as part of their offering Right. SaaS offering or sure. or just uh, like cloud offering on top of vSphere. Right, I, I could see where that would be nice, and uh, that does. Uh, you know, as you were describing it, I did want, want to ask another question with, with regard to the architecture, which is if I build my plugin, it's running in the browser, it's talking. How does it talk back to the vCenter? You know, vCenter is it using APIs to make calls when it needs to? Like, say, I'm building a plugin and I want it to do X, Y, Z. Uh, how do I interact with vSphere to have it do functions that I'm offering up in the GUI? Yeah, so the UI resources are loaded from the plugin server. Mm -hmm. And we have a, an API on the front end side, which would basically allow the front end code of the plugin to get the current context, the, the selected VM, for example, right. uh, to get user settings like uh, the date time format, the language, uh, which uh, is currently selected uh, and also uh, to get the plugin server info as registered uh, in the vCenter. And subsequently, the plugin backend would uh, talk directly to the vCenter uh, using the other APIs, which are the, the 
vCenter APIs, the vSphere right. Web sure. Services mm -hmm. SDK. Yeah, and uh, there's also the the session uh, and authentication part, which is uh, also provided by the front end API. Okay, that makes sense. That's the architecture. It's all API driven. Uh, once right. once I get context, I'm starting to provide GUI interaction. Then I'm just calling APIs to to cause things to happen. Um, yeah, and so there's uh, an, an additional uh, significant benefit of uh, this model, and it is uh, the multi version and multi instance support, as we call it. So, with local plugins, with each new version of a plugin the partner if if they wanted to support like six five six seven and seven oh the new plugin would have to know all these apis and talk all these apis to these old versions of vcenter which becomes uh, a nightmare in the long run so they had to basically cut back on their compatibility matrix so they would say oh we support only the last two versions and that's it with this right. plugin uh, while with remote plugins, you have a one-to-one -one relationship between the the vCenter and the and the plugin server. So it means mm. that if you have a linked mode with uh, six five six seven and seven zero, each of these can have their own instances of of the plugin server attached to them that that know the the specific APIs. And the plugin will have to speak only the the APIs of the specific vSphere version. And so the, then in two years' time, when we get $8 or $10, <laughs> um, you would be able to link the latest and greatest vCenter to this environment with the latest and greatest solution from the vendor attached to it, and it will still work. Yeah, the Without, plugin yeah. the plugin server does the brokering and the handshaking, and the plugin server is just being the API judge, right? And if you're building a plugin, you're just talking to the plugin server, and the plugin server determines what it's talking to and how to talk to the V center of or the V the V V sphere of choice, right? Running or ESX, whatever, who's doing the API serving? There's like a middleman that's doing the conversion. So therefore, your plugins stay compatible because your vCenter server plugin server actually does the brokering, right? Uh, yeah, Ish. and you can have separate instances of this plugin server that are dedicated to a specific version of vSphere. Ah, right. Okay. So depending on which plugin server you connect, it could do that brokering. Right. Right. right, and right. there are the the parts on the UI where you can say, "I want to see the UI of this plugin from this instance or from that instance." Oh, interesting. Okay. Oh, yeah, well, obviously, right. if you select a VM from a particular vCenter, it's obvious which instance this is. Right, but that gets that. Yeah, that so that's way more flexible because now you have that middle layer that then allows you to just do that, and so you can actually have a data center that has different versions of things and you don't have, you know, plugins yeah. that don't work anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Much more flexible. Well, that's interesting. So, uh, so that's, uh, you, that, that's kind of the, you know, your updated architecture in 7.0 update one. Are there other things that, uh, that you want to talk about here? As regards yeah. To when, uh, we're talking about multi-version support. So, uh, we should also talk about uh, consumption of new APIs. So we, we as uh, the SDK and plugins team, we've discovered the need or it was requested by partners to have a new API about something. So we release it, we are happy about it, but at this point in time, there are zero partners who are leveraging this API and zero customers who are using this version of vSphere. So partners are like, uh, yeah, let's wait a bit for the adoption of this vSphere version by customers. So uh, uh, one year might pass and only then they would uh, look into the API and for their next version, they would uh, like ship the latest and greatest, which uh, so we don't get the immediate feedback, and that can be a problem. 
Uh, so we are a bit conservative in that regard, but we are also enabling uh, ways for partners to uh, adopt new APIs without being concerned of, uh, of how this would play out between versions. Uh, so this is why in update one, we introduced the uh, multi-manifest, uh, plugin multi-manifest. Uh, essentially, it allows you to specify a a manifest for the 6.7 version and a manifest for the 7.0 version. In the 7.0 version, you can consume the latest and greatest APIs. In the 6.7 version, you, you can use uh, whatever is available in 6.7. Uh, so this way, runtime, uh, a plugin can uh, discover whether it's running in 6.7 or in 7.0 and uh, turn on the the new features or turn them off yeah that's and, nice that's nice yeah. it's kind of an official handshake between the broker and the and the plugin right where it can it can it can figure out what version it is and then understand what APIs, so like the API contract and the manifest for that api contract can be exposed and then Correct. if you're a plugin writer you can decide to go ahead and do 7.0 because now you can just choose which API to use based on that manifest. Correct. So this is uh, uh, the way you can specify separate feature sets depending of uh, depending on where uh, you're running. Nice. Nice. All right. So that's that's new. These are interesting technologies. Probably not going to hit an IT administrator, you know, when you get update one, because uh, again, this is just functionality that'll be there for the the guys that are building plugins and then want to test their plugins against this release to make sure that it's behaving properly. Right? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, so for for customers, it's so the customer is also a very important actor here because. Uh, they are customers of both VMware and the vendor. So the feedback loop here is very important so that uh, we ensure stability from our side. And we can also uh, discuss with partners about what uh, customers really want going forward. Right. This just reminds me of how Apple has, you know, moved their device recognition forward year after year. If you, you know, in the old days, you know, you would have a new device driver. You'd have to go figure out how to get it and maybe it'd be there, maybe it wouldn't. But over time, they built manifests. They built a way for all the devices you're plugging in to either be there or automatically download and be there. And so it became it became a non-issue, right? Over time, you just, just you forgot. Like if I talk to my kids, they'll be like, what do you mean you plug things and they don't work, right? Like uh, they just don't even understand that concept because it has matured so to some degree over the next five years or whatever this whole idea of a plug-in nightmare which currently affects current customers because when you go to upgrade you have to deal with all your plugins right before you can do an upgrade over time as this gets rolls out five years from now people might not look at plugins the same way and just and just assume that they they magically do the right stuff yeah and they just select uh, what features right. and capabilities they want and uh, so he, here we are basically touching on the, the importance of the user experience uh, and user ex experience, not in the sense of the color of the buttons, uh, but in the sense of uh, what workflow you're going through when you open the UI. Do you have to leave the UI, in this case, the vSphere UI, to do something else elsewhere. Yeah, I, I know administrators love their terminal. I'm not going to take it away. Uh, right, but right. Uh, jumping to different UIs, it's certainly not uh, the way forward. So we are seeing uh, really convergence of UIs, uh, better and deeper integration of UIs, both from vendors and also in our internal offerings, uh, also in the cloud. So yeah. probably a service starts with its separate UI and over time you see how it converges into uh, the, a few UIs converge into one another to define a, a single experience. Yeah, and it, it's it's interesting you bring that up, which which 
in our land, we've been talking, you know, next year's goals, what do we try to accomplish, right? And one of them is, you know, how seamlessly do we operate in the cloud, right? And the the way we used to operate in the cloud, not in the cloud, but with vSphere is that we've got a bunch of IT, heavy IT people that know how to do this stuff, open up their shell tool. I got 15 shell tools up in my Mac at any given time with three monitors sitting here. And uh, I love that, right? But the new, new cloud buyer, right? They're but they're a different, you know, they just, they expect to be able to mouse click, things pop up, it behaves properly, and you use the service, and you're spending less time over on VMTN and forums posting question and answer and learning, because the magic has gone away, right? Um, yeah. We just make it work, and and you're expected just to click and get notified when a new plugin feature is available for you, right? Just be in the cloud, and that's the difference between a, a the, the cloud experience going forward and our traditional experience experience at the same time right. yeah yeah so I, I do see these things converging over time um, and also I think we we are also focused on getting a richer and richer ecosystem which uh, is integrating on the grounds of very clear rules and extensibility models yeah and it, it, this comes back to the HTML5 maturity now where because html5 has become mature and it works and it works well and customers are happy with it we can spend less of our engineering time just trying to fix brokenness right and actually spend more of our engineering time doing the more sophisticated architectural components that allow this to be kind of a seamless experience right exactly uh, so what i'm seeing internally is that uh, engineers around me are really focused on building the the new stuff uh, uh, kubernetes project pacific and so on uh, and also we shouldn't um, disregard the small improvements uh, the small features that are added uh, to the right. ui because um, actually one of the reasons i started uh, blogging and joined the v community was that i saw the what's new blogs and you would basically see one or two things from uh, from the UI team there just because they are not big enough to make the news. But still, these things uh, solve someone's problem and solve it well. So that's why I, uh, I think we need to talk more about that, these small things and, uh, and really tips and tricks how an administrator can use the UI more effectively and have time for uh, everything else. <laughs> yeah, and I, I appreciate you coming and uh, spending time with us and we'll definitely have you come back because uh, there there is that that bit. Uh, sometimes I, I tell people when you go to a VMUG, you know, and they're presenting, you know, we ask uh, how many people are actually using Kubernetes today? And like there's 200 people in the room and only seven people raise their hand. That was like two years ago. So it's like, but even cloud services, you, you have to remember that there's a lot of people still running vSphere traditionally and they like those features. And, and, and that's a lot of where we uh, focus as well. Um, I got to ask you, I... I got to imagine the team is happier these days because instead of living in flash HTML, you know, hell, right? Um, you're actually getting to do some more exciting work now, which is moving things forward. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, people are really happy to see their uh, work come to life because we, in, in previous years, we've been really focused on constant migrations to flash from flash <laughs> to yeah. html uh, but now it it we we are really ramping up and also uh building stuff in the cloud directly and i do believe that uh, these uis would converge in one way or another also when when it comes to the hybrid scenario yeah yeah, that's 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 also going to be important, right? Um, which is good. Um, get, going back to like flings and the idea that you know there are still flings, there are still people testing, pushing, wanting new features. Uh, is that still active? From a, I know there's a lot of activity when we were you know doing the migration and looking for features to solve things. Uh, how is that playing out these days? Are people still innovating around you know GUI elements that they're looking to test? 
more than ever, actually. <laughs> so let, let me give you just one example. So you've probably heard uh, about the cross vCenter vMotion uh, utility. It's one of the most popular flings out there, uh, which was started by uh, William Lam and some uh, folks from the vCenter backend team. So uh, once I just reached out to William and asked him some questions about community or something like that. So he, he came back and, and was like, um, oh, you are from the UI team, right? I really want us to build some kind of plugin on top of uh, uh, the Cross vCenter vMotion utility. I was like, okay, you came to the right place. So the next VMware hackathon, uh, we assembled a team of just three UI engineers when we implemented the whole uh, UI of the tool as a plugin. We shipped it in the next Fling release. And at that time, there were four years of uh, kind of convincing everyone that this is really important feature. We got great feedback and so on, but uh, we, we never really got the priority to uh, to ship it and productize it. And when the plugin went out, we checked the, the internal telemetry data. It turned out that, that the plugin is in top 15 of all plugins uh, that have been installed in, in the last few months. And, uh, and this is for a plugin which is not officially supported by VMware. As you can imagine, uh, when you're armed with data and uh, feedback, it's very easy to get things to to get productized. So the cross vCenter vMotion was productized in the, I think, uh, 70U1C release uh, last December. So flings are still being used a lot and exactly to be able to um, get feedback improve on your idea and get people on board with that and ultimately productize. So just because people are listening to this podcast, I think three or 4,000, just do it audio. Uh, repeat what that uh, what that fling was again. It was uh, vMotion in vCenter. Cross vCenter. Yeah, it's uh, cross vCenter vMotion uh, utility uh, fling. All right, so cross vCenter, vMotion, explain what that is. Oh, okay. Uh, so the it's a utility which allows you to vMotion VMs between vCenters which are not uh, in linked mode. So mm -hmm. you essentially, the tool would authenticate to vCenter 1, authenticate to vCenter 2, and initiate vMotion. Why? Because vMotion API supports it since 6.0 of vSphere, but the UI never had it. And it never had it because it's always focused on the current vCenters uh, in the current linked mode environment. So it was still thought of as a, uh, as right. a kind of vCenter UI, <laughs> you know. Right, right. Okay. So, so this feature didn't get productized for some years and now it is nice nice and we are still looking for feedback right so i i, I get that uh, uh some of the ui engineers that understand the plugin architecture could come in and do a hackathon and make something like that happen what's the are there other people that have done some some projects that have made it up into fling status uh, that are right outside the company or maybe from partners uh, is that realistic to to think that you know if i were an external person that i would be able to learn enough to do this oh so yes uh, this has become easier and easier uh, from per the perspective of consumption, but also from the perspective of development. We, we have a number of tools to be able to build a remote plugin. And also uh, what we've seen people doing is they have some kind of a standalone UI for whatever job they, they need. Uh, with the remote architecture, it's a lot easier to just get this already built UI 
and embed it into the vSphere client. Nice. Yeah. Okay, back uh, to, you know, kind of a store for plugins. Like, where are people getting most of their plugins these days? Yeah, it's a it's a pain point. <laughs> Let, let's put it this way. Uh, so, at the at the moment, uh, you have, uh, as I mentioned, three actors: the VMware, the partner, and the user. So the user would get the the solution, the the license, and the solution itself directly from the vendor, and then install it following their custom installer and unfortunately uh, especially on-prem we uh, we as vmware are not uh, part of this process but there are efforts for us facilitating this not only communication but also installation process as a form of uh, marketplace uh, now i can't uh, comment on timelines and stuff, but at the moment uh, we do have a cloud marketplace, a VMware marketplace in the cloud. Uh, and the vision there is uh, that the marketplace UI would be integrated at different levels in uh, in the public cloud and, uh, and in the private cloud as well. That stuff never works. <laughs> okay. I've looked at, so, you know how many, I've been here 15 I, years and I've never seen a, it as a challenge. Right, right. I take it as right. a challenge and uh, yeah, we will discuss again on the Right, right, right. But I would say that having kind of like what Apple and Windows has done, where you actually just have a good way of downloading these things off the web and having a way for them to, you know, end up on the, the plugin server or whatever that is, a smooth way um, for individual partners and ecosystem participants to be able to put this on their own website and then have a URL that goes and picks it up and pulls it and installs it seamlessly. I think that the reality of the way I go get all my drivers and all my plugins and everything is I don't go to a central store because the problem with stores for me is that, you know, whatever's in the store is usually a year old or two years old. It's never the current, like it never is what I really need. And so I end up going to the vendor and figuring out what I need to go and the vendor explains it anyway. So having this whole centralized model Model, where if you have a really good decentralized model that really works well, uh, I'm a fan of that, right? Like now maybe a store will work too. I'm not saying it never say never, but yeah. I do believe the on in the on-prem version of this picture, which in my mind is called content library. Right, right. And facilitating the ability yeah. to store your content uh, in, in, in your, that, yeah, mm -hmm. in, yeah on-prem and uh, also the second part of this is how you deploy it uh, easily from the vSphere UI, for example, and not uh, jumping through different scripts and uh, different tools to get it running. Right, okay. So we talked update one, uh, manifest, uh, anything else out there that, uh, that we should mention? Um, yeah. Uh, as we were talking about uh, more dynamic experience, we introduced right. the dynamic extensions for right. plugins. So um, generally plugins uh, have been having this uh, um, filtering capability for, for their UI bits. Uh, for example, if a user doesn't have a privilege to execute a backup action, it should not be shown. Um, and with re, uh, local plugin architecture, this filter, these filtering capabilities were per extension, meaning that for each action, you would say, oh, this should be shown if this and that uh, is true. Uh, but just evaluating this uh, condition means doing a separate hop to a separate call to the plugin backend. So if you have six, actions you would do six calls to the back end and you would wait for the results to populate the ui or uh, with for example three of the actions which are available uh, with the remote plugin architecture with dynamic extensions we are doing it a lot more effectively so 
uh, we've implemented it as, a, as an SPI, service provider interface, uh, which means that we define a contract and we tell the plugin server, the vSphere UI will call you at this uh, endpoint and would expect an answer in this format. So we would say, you have defined three actions here, Re uh, reply with the availability of each of those. So you would get action one is enabled, action two is disabled, action three is enabled, and we will populate the UI. Nice. I, I got my my personal feedback. As long as I'm talking to a, a UI engineer, you know, like here, here's my two cents. Could you just show everything and then have like a lock signal for ones that I can't get? These magical disappearing features drive me absolutely crazy because I go, oh, it's here. It's in the menu. It should be the third one. And they're like, we don't see it. We don't know. It's not there. And I'm like, well, I'm looking at it. And it's like, oh, my God. It's like, I hate those things. <laughs> yeah. So there's a. Uh... Uh, there are UX guidelines on that for partners, but also for internal uh, UI development. And these state that if a condition will never be true, then uh, just hide it. If yeah. the condition might be uh, might be changed, for example, you might get uh, new permissions then it's better to show it and have it as disabled or be uh, leave it as enabled and when you click you get a uh, some notification that you don't have sufficient privileges so yeah. luckily, <laughs> it's, uh, I'm, luckily i'm getting old and i'll die soon and then i'll just go away the dinosaurs right oh. like uh, i'm a fan of because in web design we do this also they they do personalization on web design where you know depending on where you're coming from what your cookies are set or whatever nowadays they'll actually give you a different website right based on your your, your preferences and your cookies and your you know that kind of stuff and it's annoying because i just want to say like can we just make one big flat list website where you go in and everything is there and i could just scroll down and find it myself right or i'll use the you know control f search and find what i'm looking for but the minute you go dynamic you can't search it you can't find it you know, it's not there anymore and somebody's telling me it's supposed to be there but it's not and now i have to go somewhere and it's a community nightmare because i go on a forum and i say well i can't make this happen what's going on and somebody has to say well you probably don't have permission to see it right and i'm like oh yeah okay yeah. so yeah or okay, i don't I even know you. it's there so <laughs> like yeah feedback taken <laughs> yes good luck with that no it's never gonna happen right uh but that's what i would say is that i'm an old school list everything because then we can learn what we don't know we don't know right so yeah yeah but anyway but on the other hand that's against the current model of making it easy right um which is if you get too much stuff listed everywhere it just gets complicated right because now you see all this other stuff you need to learn and it's not relevant to what you want to do so I can see the other the other side of it as well. And it's also about scalability as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what, uh, what devices you're using and the size of your screen. Yeah, Accessibility is also right. an important yeah. hot yeah. topic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you learn that uh, when you go into the countries that are you know further away from wherever the server is, that these big lists become problematic because you, they're waiting. Somebody told me like it takes two minutes and eighty seconds, you know, two two minutes and forty two seconds for the whole thing to load, and I'm like, wow, it takes me like twelve seconds, like uh, you know. So there is there is that there is scalability across network connectivity too that makes a difference. Yeah. Um, all right, so that's that's good. Um, I always say, you know, as we come up, I know we we've been recording for now forty eight minutes, so I always get a transition in the last few minutes. Like, what what excites you? What are you excited to work on this year? I know you can't obviously tell us specifically, you know, feature sets or anything, but uh, in this space, what what are you excited about? What are you trying to maybe accomplish over the next uh, rest of the year as we go into our twenty two year? Okay, um, I will split it in two parts. <laughs> Technically, it's uh, we actually already talked about it. Technically, it's uh, looking into ways to do uh, marketplace to make it easy for uh, end users to install solutions. As right. simple as that. Not so simple to implement and architect, but 
we are on top of that and uh, I really believe that we will have something really good. Uh, with regards to um, the community, uh, my goal uh, also as a VMware co uh, code coach is to get more engineers into the V community uh, because when an engineer join, joins the V community, there are certain things that they can share from internal experience, certain features and get direct feedback from users. And this is, this is basically where innovation starts. So I'm very yeah. happy that as part of the vSphere UI community team that we just started uh, we already have like 15 volunteers willing to to blog and record videos and so on. So let's see how this is going. Yeah, I, I think that's incredibly important, especially now as we you know we transition into you know developers you know working you know in in influencing where you know uh, compute is deployed, right? And how it's deployed and what it's doing when it's deployed, right? Where there used to be this separation and now there's not separation. Now it's, you know, the engineering teams are actually just consuming compute resourcing directly in their projects and it, it, it gets out and gets deployed, which cloud certainly has had a huge impact on that, right? Yeah. yeah. And then uh, obviously you're refactoring into, into Kubernetes, you know, um, it, which is, Kubernetes is just another runtime framework, right? But uh, it's like we're transitioning out of Windows land, right? Where it used to be your apps ran on Windows servers somewhere. Now your apps are dynamic and running all kinds of little workloads, pods, you know, web services. And so having the infrastructure work with developers is, is, is key. And so there is a bit of me that wonders, you know, because I put my VMware code hat on sometimes, whether, you know, as we transition into cloud, the community itself is going to have to change, right? Like where right. it used to be community of IT administrators. And I know where I love IT and I love administrating. I just, I love having machines and root passwords and, you know, my own home servers and that whole thing. But if you look at it, the challenges are changing where you have cloud services now. You know, I have an AWS instance, right? We have stuff in AWS and I don't have to rack and stack and install anymore, right? Like as much as I did. But we do have to engage with the, the app people, right? That are building the apps and, and running the apps and running them anywhere. So to some degree, I feel like the IT administrator job is downsizing, right? Like, or getting is is less important, right. and the you know the, the the VMware code type of profile where you're automating or you're engaging with engineers to offer up compute resources to the application directly or the application team directly is becoming where the growth of the industry is happening. Um, and that's that's kind of where all of us have to start migrating our careers. Not that we have to stop becoming vSphere administrators, because if I if I went to VMUG and said, hey, how many people are running doing vSphere daily work? They'd all raise their hands. Yes, they are, right? Like that still pays the paychecks, but I see this transition happening, right? So uh, I appreciate you, you know, engaging with uh, VMware code and actually creating a subgroup that where people can go do projects and write code and learn about it. And I guess the question is, do we think it's all about writing code or is there practices that they can learn that isn't necessarily writing the code, but learning how the code works or engaging with infrastructure as code? Uh, where do we see that for, as an IT administrator? Sometimes people go like, I don't write code. I can't code. I don't know how to code and I'm not sure I want to learn how to code. So there is this always this question I have in my own mind of whether or not we're trying to take people that really are, you know, IT guys and trying to, teach them to be developers right and where does that where does that some people like it some people cross over i certainly cross over i like to write some code now and then um where do you see that yeah. well i i think when you just say code some people are just getting scared for no reason uh and i really enjoy what uh, i'm seeing from some uh fellow uh VMware folks. Uh, for example, we have uh, Nico Vibert and um, uh, Patrick Kramer who are doing really basic 
sessions about how you can just start building stuff. Let's right. ne not call it code coding. Just start right. building stuff. Right. Uh, so yeah, uh, I really think we need to have more of these in the community. And another side of this story is that folks who are doing APIs, folks who are doing SDKs and tooling need to also step up uh, and yeah. really lower the entry bar to to build something new. That's actually a really good point, right? Which is, it is if you ask our IT administrator crowd, all the guys that I know, and you said, do you like to build stuff? Everybody would raise their hand. A hundred people in the room would all raise their hand and go, yeah, we yeah. love building stuff. That's why we rack and stack and we connect things. That's why I ended up in IT because I like hands-on engaging, building, making a network happen, uh, accomplishing that. I think you're right. In When you start seeing development, it scares people because it's, it's yeah. this... It's just a scary term to go like, oh, I got to learn to be a developer. You know, I have to I have to learn how to set debug points and you know, breakpoints and like where if you approach it as like, a no, we're just going to build something. Right. And there are some software components to building, but it's it's not scary. It's just you've already done a lot of this already. Right. You've you've written right. scripts and you've done this kind of stuff. It's just a slightly different way of doing it that uh, is not that far a leap. And so, yeah, I think one of the is it, is it uh, Microsoft that does their conferences build right so you know we named it vmware code because it's code right like but there's a bit of me that goes oh darn you know like we we i thought code was a great 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 code name for the for the for the community uh, and it still is but there is this element of build that probably is a bit easier to attract people to yeah yeah if you if you ask the group of uh, administrators how many of you have done complex bash scripts I think many of them will <laughs> will raise their raise hand. Their hand. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But if they, uh, if you told them about coding, they will say no. I'm not doing coding. What, right. But yeah. bash. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, so maybe maybe we'll do that with VMware Code. We'll 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 try to put a a little bit of build brand into it so that it's a it's an easier thing to think about, right, and engage with. Yeah. That's great. Well, we're Good coming idea. up to yeah, come up to the top of the hour. Um, another question for you: Are you on Twitter? Can people follow you? Where is the best way for people to you know uh, pay attention to Vladimir Velikov? Right? Did I say that yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's uh, I have a Twitter. It's Vladi underscore Velikov, and also the Twitter of uh, the Visphere UI community team is uh, Visphere UI underscore team all right so please right. Nice. Uh, yeah just shoot me a dm anything if you have questions yeah. on plugins on anything or anything else all right now are you guys one of these guys that if they follow you will you follow them back you know so you can uh, get that connection right are you a are you a cross follower on twitter do you know um sometimes uh Let's say 50-50. <laughs> nice, nice. All yeah. right, there you go. All right, well, uh, good. Thank you very much for, one, doing the work on code that you do. I know it's exciting. So you can uh, go over to code.vmware.com and join. Uh, there's code Slack channels. Uh, I assume that you're probably in a Slack channel as well over there that you probably, people can find you on. Uh, I know you're doing a group. I know you're doing sessions. Uh, so you can, you're doing a sessions and you have a, a group of people that are doing that. So thank you for that. And thank you for coming on. And we'll make it a point to uh, uh, loop back with you guys to to share interesting projects coming out of the uh, GUI teams, right? Because uh, I think it does sometimes not get the get get as much attention as we should probably be giving it. So appreciate you being here. Looking forward to that. Appreciate your invite. All right. All right, we're at the top of the hour. Um, so thank you for listening all the way to the end if you have. If you want to go over to see what we look like, we do live stream on VBarbecue on YouTube. So youtube.com slash VBarbecue. Uh, you can go there and uh, give us a like and a follow if you want to and see what we look like. Uh, we're not big uh, live stream people. We're just sitting here on Talking Head camera, but you can go see what we look like. Um, for VBarbecue this week, um, you know what? We haven't done any barbecue. Tony Foster said he didn't do any barbecue. 
barbecue. He did barbecue the Twinkies last last week, which was a uh, which was an interesting marshmallow kind of experience. Um, I did some steaks. You know, there's standard steak stuff. You grill them uh, three minutes on each side. You just keep flipping them until the inside gets to be 135, and then you have a perfect steak on a charcoal grill. So that's always a f- easy, fun one to do. We did do a, a pork rub, so we got some pork loins and and did uh, standard pork rub. You know, just a rub, uh, Mr. Stubbs barbecue rub out of an out of Austin, Texas. They're there. That's a good one to go if you've never seen Mr. Stubbs. It's a dry rub, does pretty well, pretty good. You just rub that on, and then you do the same thing with a pork loin on a, on a barbecue. Just flip it. You know, a couple times, it takes about maybe 20 minutes to cook it. And then you're looking for 145 internal meat. So you need a meat temperature. You always want to have a meat thermometer. And then you always want to be flipping every three minutes on a piece of meat. And uh, and that's that's what we did. That was the V Barbecue for this week. Uh, we will be here again next week with uh, Matt Lungoth. He'll be back. Until then, everybody have a great week. Thanks a lot for listening. Thanks a lot.